Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, friend or foe. Artificial intelligence has been a bit of a hot topic in the last few months, and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. From ChatGPT to other large language models, people in all professions are turning to these tools for help. But for those in the tax space, there's still hesitation about how well these models can work with the technical materials. However, there are also those who believe that these models will be a useful tool in the tax space provided the right training and use. So what role can AI play in tax, and will it assist or replace the humans already working in the field? Joining me now to talk more about this is John McGowan, CEO of HubSync, a tax and accounting platform. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. Glad to be here. So could you start off by uh, telling us a bit uh, about yourself and your company? Absolutely, yeah. So my my background is tax and technology. I was a CPA, um, started at KPMG, and slowly kind of grew into different technology roles, but was always very passionate about technology and automation. Started doing that very early in my career. I uh, was at KPMG for about 20 years and ran their tax technology practice, so built all sorts of tools across all different types of tax, whether it's federal tax, state and local, international. I had a great run at KPMG, did a lot of really innovative things there. And then I was at Deloitte in a very similar role, running their tax technology practice uh, for about five years, did a lot of innovative things in the big four. And about mid-18, I just saw a big opportunity to take some of the great things I had built at both Deloitte and KPMG and bring it out to the market and the industry. So we formed HubSync in, in 2018 and a building out an end-to-end automation platform and serving a lot of great CPA firms in the industry and having a great time. So it's an exciting time in the industry, especially with this topic, with Gen AI starting to explode this year. There's lots of great technology innovations and things happening that can help CPA firms. Well, yeah, let's let's get into the topic at hand. What are your thoughts about this new world of generative AI? Well, it's just, it really is just exploding. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal to see. I mean, AI has been around for a while. I I uh, did quite a bit with AI at both Deloitte and, and KPMG, but with Gen AI, it's, you're just seeing a huge explosion. And this is now becoming a lot more accessible to the average consumer with ChatGPT, text generation and automation is really possible now. It's it's really phenomenal what's what we're seeing. And in terms of this industry, tax and accounting, you know, I think there's just a huge opportunity to automate a lot of manual tasks that we continue to see in the industry, paper and other manual tasks, whether it's preparing a tax return or an audit. There's still a lot of manual steps that are required for a firm to work with a client. We're trying to automate a lot of that with with HubSync and really see with with AI now an opportunity to take some of those mundane tasks and automate more of them so that the CPA provider can really be a consultative advisor to the client and do less of some of the data wrangling and traditional manual tasks that we've seen in the industry. I just realized that we should probably just take one quick step back. And could you define for us this term generative AI? Absolutely. So really what's happening now with Gen AI is the ability to generate text. And, you know, you've got these large language models now that have been trained. So typing in queries and and being able to write letters and blogs, you know, we have an engagement letter uh, wizard, which builds engagement letters. And we're, we're embedding AI into that now. So you can actually generate paragraphs. You can help with review of risk approved paragraphs. So there's a lot of opportunity now with text. Um, You can actually now interact with systems in a more uh, human way. So being able to type in queries into a business intelligence engine, just asking more simple questions 
from a business perspective and having you know visualizations come back to you based on questions that you're asking. I was talking to my uh, CRO yesterday um, and told him about some integrations that we could do with our CRM system where you could literally just type something in to a natural language prompt and say, hey, download all of our contacts out of our CRM system and put it into an Excel spreadsheet. So these types of conversational questions you can now put into these systems and you can actually generate results using AI. So we're really excited. We also think that AI can really be kind of a co-pilot, if you will, with, we see this with our developers now, as we code our products, we're getting suggestions from GitHub Copilot on making the code better. So we, we like this idea of AI being a copilot. People get scared about, is AI gonna replace a human? We don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon at all. And we always feel like there's gonna be a human in the loop, but the idea that you know a person becomes less of a creator of content and can become more of an editor of content that's generated from chat GPT, we see those types of opportunities emerging with this technology. Now, I know uh, we have, even on, on this show, we've played around a bit with the chat GPT to see what it can do. What really do you see as its strength in being used as a tool? Yeah, the areas that we're seeing that we're really implementing inside of PubSync right now, so I mentioned our document generation tools, so being able to use GPT to generate paragraphs, text, help with automated review and red lines of documents as well. Um, the other area that we see as a huge pain point in the industry is just search. So having AI-assisted search, where you're not having to do your traditional Boolean queries within five paragraphs and complicated queries and really getting to AI-assisted search, where you're typing more conversational questions and getting search results back. So discovery of information is, is much easier with this technology. I mentioned the AI-powered BI as well. Being able to type in more natural language query, we're implementing this in HubSync now, um, where a client could log into a, a firm portal and start asking questions about their tax liabilities, about their tax positions, and getting answers back from this technology. Um, and the other thing that's big in this industry is API integration, which can be very complex, you know, pushing data between different systems, between tax software systems. But again, this is now becoming more accessible where you could type in, hey, I, I would like to have these types of integrations happen between systems. So more of a business user can actually ask some of these questions and have some of this API magic happen behind the scenes without them needing to be a programmer. And I think the other big pain point that we see consistently in the industry is just data collection, right? Collecting data from the client, um, whether it's in a 1040, you need to get OCR data from W-2s and 1099s, or if it's a corporation, you're getting large trial balances and Excel data. A lot of time is spent on the audit and tax process doing what I call data wrangling. And we feel with intelligent document processing, which helps you know, move beyond traditional OCR and really classify and lift data off of tax forms, for example, and the ability to take large volumes of data from a trial balance, for example, and be able to use machine learning to auto map trial balances. So you don't have a human going in there manually mapping trial balances, but you've got a machine learning engine that's helping with that. These are the types of things that are really gonna save time in the industry and really make the CPA firm more efficient and, and really allow them to better service their clients. Now we've discussed sort of the promise of AI and I'm actually kind of curious about the, the perils here. What are the limitations uh, of using uh, these sort of systems? What should we be watching for? I think the one thing that we're consistently hearing is, you know, I'd say as I talk to clients about this, we're kind of in an experimentation phase. And I think one of the things that folks are concerned about, and you see companies banning or limiting use of chat GPT, 
because of issues like putting PII or confidential information, PCI information. So that's a, a big concern is you don't want to have customer data leakage going as, into these open models. So what we see the big four and other firms doing now is they have their own environments with their own models, proprietary models that are secure. So security is a big thing, um, ethics, but being able to ensure that customer data is not leaking into these systems is a real, real topic that we're talking about with our clients. We see some you know, interesting startups emerging in this area that are, that are really focused on this topic. Uh, one I was talking to yesterday has built an AI firewall that will block any PII or PCI information from going into an open model. It'll track all traffic that's going from a corporation into an open model. But what we're seeing again is now these firms are building their own models and their own infrastructure and using client data in a secure way versus pushing this data into an open model. So we see that as a big issue. I think the other thing is just lack of transparency. You know, we've we've heard the, the story about a court case that was invented by AI. So the answers that you're getting back if you're doing tax research or any kind of research, you still need to make sure that you're validating the results coming back from these models with actual court cases, citations, tax law, et cetera. You can't just accept the answers that are coming from these systems. And I think the last thing is just around bias. There's a concern about the models can get biased based on the data that's being fed to them. So these are some of the issues you know, that, that we're talking about with our clients. And I say there's, there's some level of trepidation around using some of these models for these reasons. Yeah, so I, I actually am, am kind of curious about how you navigate that world. I'm, I'm interested in the idea of this AI model as a, as a black box where you, you put a prompt in and an answer comes out the other way. And as with any kind of automation, the automation is fantastic until it breaks down. So what do you do to police that to make sure that you're not over-relying on it? That's a great. I mean, I think this gets into, you know, what does proper integration look like? You can't just hand over this data to a model, do a review of it, and then just let it go and let people use it. I mean, there's a couple steps here. One is ensuring you, you look at the front end of this in terms of data preparation and, and the data that you're putting into the model. That would include things like anonymizing the data. The company that I mentioned yesterday also can dynamically redact data as it's going into a model as well. So there's this data preparation phase. Typically, the next phase is training. You're getting someone with some experience, um, data science. This comes back to this you know, human in the loop. You want to be able to train the model. And then what's most important is continuing to test the model and, and revise it. And it will continue to learn as more data is flowed through it. But this, this requires constant supervision, continual testing, and supervision. You, you just can't kind of throw these models over the wall and let people use them. There's a lot of preparation involved in ongoing maintenance to make sure that these models are being used correctly. Now, we're seeing a lot of major investment into this space. Is this a trend that you're expecting to continue into the future? I mean, I really think so. I mean, I, I listened to uh, Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, talking about this. And, you know, there's always this discussion around fear, around AI, et cetera. But he said, you know, folks should be running to this. And I, I agree with that sentiment. I think this is here to stay. I think there's a lot we're still learning about um, utilizing this technology in a secure manner, as I mentioned before. But I think all firms in, in this industry should be looking to this as an opportunity um, to elevate the industry and not be scared of it. And so I, I'm really excited about what's what's happening. And again, as I said earlier, just making some of this technology more accessible to the average business user and also just allowing the professional to become an advisor to the client, which is what we consistently hear. How can we, we have a talent shortage in this industry, as we all know, folks don't want to come out of college and, and do data wrangling and manual entry of, of data into tax return software. Uh, so I also really see this as an opportunity to elevate the industry and allow the professionals to do what they're best at, which is advising clients. 
Now, you alluded to some of the some of the ethical quandaries that that come up in this space. And uh, one question that strikes me is, especially from a, a third party provider aspect, of how do you prevent the information being provided by, let's say, one client's data set merging into some another client's data set? Is there some way of separating them out, or does the AI just learn from all of them all the time? Well, this is so, so where, as I mentioned, some of the anonymization and redaction can come in to help help with that. The firms and, and hub sync houses tax return data, uh, you need to use that data properly. This is a topic of discussion, heavy topic of discussion in the big four around you know not using client data without consent for certain purposes, whether it was testing or other things. Um, so the client is entrusting their data to you to, to do a tax return or to do an audit. And you need to take great care uh, in managing that content and that data and ensure it's not being used improperly and it's that be, it's being used securely. So, so again, some of what we're seeing with, with vendors that are working in this space is anonymization and redaction of data as it's going into some of these models and then kind of merging it back with some of the data when it comes back into the secure environment. So there's some techniques that are emerging to, to help with this, but it's a serious, it's a serious issue and one that our firms and, and we're taking seriously in terms of client confidentiality, ensuring that there's no data leakage at all with the data that, that the firms are hosting or that any of the software providers are hosting. Is there any concern that this is going to create more of a, an uneven playing field since larger organizations are going to have access to a significantly larger data set? It's a great question. I mean, I think you see the big four obviously announcing uh, the alliances with the, the big firms like Microsoft and, and Google, and, the, and they have tremendous data volumes and they have, being a former CIO, there's a lot of dollars that they can invest in this area. They see, clearly see the opportunity. Um, but no, I, I really think with cloud uh, and what's happening in, in with AWS and Azure, we're an AWS partner, this technology is becoming more and more accessible to the world, to the industry. And uh, we're certainly taking advantage of it inside of HubSync rapidly and integrating it inside of our platform. The large foundational models actually give you a great starting point as, as well. So we don't think that a firm that's smaller can't take advantage of this technology. In fact, I would argue, you know, working with us and other firms, they can actually move faster and get this implemented more quickly. We've, we're implementing this at a rapid pace inside of HubSync. So I, I don't think that a firm that's uh, smaller than the big four is at a, a significant competitive disadvantage. I think access to this technology and its ubiquity in the cloud kind of levels the playing field. Now, is there any concern about other uses of this, maybe on the enforcement side at the IRS, if they start to integrate AI into their processes? Absolutely. I think, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for the IRS to use AI to automate. You think about them hiring 87,000 agents and all the paper that's been backed up with the 20 and 21 returns. And I, IBM actually did come in and help them with AI to process more returns. So I think the IRS could definitely use AI from an efficiency standpoint. We even see our clients being challenged around like power of attorneys and using digital signatures and, and working with the IRS and being required to still send paper power of attorneys. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity for the IRS to use AI to enhance um, their services. Obviously, Tax audits would be a concern. Could they turn this technology and use it to do tax audits? I think the concern there would be use of private data, obviously. Um, they'd need to be very open and transparent. And the other concern that I mentioned earlier is you know, bias can creep in. So could they use AI to start targeting certain people or certain tax returns? Um, so I think they would have to tread very, very carefully on use of this on the audit side. But I think they should definitely embrace it on the automation side. I think there could be tremendous amount of efficiencies um, that the IRS could realize if they use this technology more fully. 
Now, I, I want to follow up a, a little bit on, on one of those points is uh, the question of bias. People looking at this would say, well, it's a computer. How can it be biased? So, so how does bias creep into AI? Well, it learns from the information that it's been given, right? So that's what I was talking about, the content that's being fed into it. So it's, it's a learning machine and it'll learn based on the content that's given into it. So if, if the content that's being fed uh, is only a certain time, type of content, um, bias could start to creep into some of the decisions or recommendations that come out of the engine. So that gets back to what I was talking about on the data preparation side is, you know, and continuing to monitor as, as well, uh, the results that are coming out of these models is very, very important. These are these are living, uh, breathing things that iterate and continue to learn. Um, so it's important, again, that you continue to monitor the language models, what's coming back. It's going to continue to learn and adapt and adjust based on the information that's being fed into it. Now, is there a point where these models will be more reliable? Is there is there a point where you're not going to have to hold its hand quite as much? I think so. I mean, there's there's definitely, if you look at uh, deep learning and, and moving from traditional machine learning to deep learning, uh, things can evolve and decisions can be made with without as much supervision. That does, again, require larger volumes of data to your earlier point to get to that level. Um, but absolutely, I mean, we're already just seeing the improvements between 3.5 and 4.0 GPT. I mean, I think the technology is going to continue to improve and evolve. We're seeing it, you know, evolve rapidly. You see some people uh, saying we should stop for six months because of how quickly it's moving. But I, I see this area exploding and continue to improve and the accuracy uh, and the quality of this technology just getting better. Now, you also discussed this this fear of of job basically being displaced by this AI, but you're enthusiastic about it getting better over time and needing less supervision. Is it possible that down the line this will actually start to displace people? In, you know, in certain areas, potentially, you could see some level of displacement. I mean, you look at customer support, um, I could see, and we're already seeing bots and, and things that are that are really helping with customer support uh, and that first level customer support being able to be handled by by a bot. If I look at our industry though, and tax and accounting and the complexity of the regulations uh, and what's required to complete an audit or to complete a tax return, <clears throat> a human in the loop is gonna be required. And I think what I look at this again is the technology like it's like it's doing with my developers in HubSync right now, being a co-pilot, making them better, faster, our code quality, is better, we're faster. We also have AI on the testing side of things as well. So if I look at what's happened inside of HubSync from a software perspective, I mean, we're moving faster with higher quality and able to develop capabilities much more rapidly than we did before. I see the same with the industry. Um, I really think that um, this concept of being a value added advisor to, to, the, to the clients is, is what these firms want. And the consistent complaint that we hear is just, how hard it is. You know, we, we keep talking about tax busy seasons with our clients. Wow, this is one of the hardest busy seasons that we had. And, you know, the time to produce these returns and, and these audits are getting condensed. You know, there's less time to do this work. Um, and it's not going to be a problem that's solved by hiring more people to do these types of tasks. You know, technology can scale. People can't scale as well as technology. So you can send a lot of returns to a shared service center. We see clients that, you know, are using India to help with this. But we really feel like technology is going to help scale and improve the client experience as well. I mean, the, the consistent theme that we hear is how do we provide a better client experience, a more frictionless experience between the firm and the client. And we think that this technology is, is only going to help with that problem. I'll close out uh, our discussion here by asking you to specifically speaking to the question of 
the skeptics of AI and the people that are worried about it pushing people out of the industry. What do you have to say to them about the future of this technology? Don't be scared. I understand it's a, it's a new thing, and whenever a new technology comes into play, it can be it can be scary, and there's a fear. Will this will this displace my my job? I think people need to learn about it, um, embrace it. You know, the great thing about this too is you can use it yourself um, in a secure way, obviously, um, but it's accessible to anybody. Um, there's all sorts of productivity plugins for Mac, for Windows. You've got Office 365 Copilot that's going to be coming out, so people that are using Office are going to be experiencing this technology. So it's going to be there in their desktop. Uh, it already is on their desktop, on their computers. Encourage people to try it and use it as well and learn more about it. The fear starts to subside a little bit once you start to use it and can see the benefits of it and worry less about how it might displace um, something that you're doing now. And again, as I said earlier, I've, I've said this a number of times during this podcast, but I think the excitement should be around, I won't have to do these tasks, I can do these tasks which are, are more consultative and I'm more excited about versus having to do some of the traditional tasks that I think a lot of professionals in the industry are less less excited about. Well, this is definitely a topic that we're going to have to be keeping a close eye on as it develops. John, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Dave. I enjoyed the conversation. And now, coming attractions. Each week, we highlight new and interesting commentary in our magazines. Joining me now is Executive Editor for Commentary, Jasper Smith. Jasper, what will you have for us? Thanks, Dave. In Tax Notes Federal, Travis Henry Reed proposes reforms to the Section 40B Sustainable Aviation Fuel Credit. Laura Snyder explains why congressional complaints about allegedly discriminatory taxes imposed on Americans by foreign governments are hypocritical. In Tax Note State, Carl Frieden and Frederick Nicely examine how Minnesota's new approach to taxing foreign source income is unfair to U.S. multinationals. Billy Hamilton examines how Hollywood strikes are affecting state incentive programs. In Tax Notes International, J. Harold McClure examines how a Danish court adjusted the intercompany commission rate for payments received by a Danish soy procurement affiliate. Sharon Katz-Perlman breaks down the alternative dispute resolution processes available to taxpayers through the IRS. In featured analysis, Carrie Brandon Elliott provides a one-year anniversary refresher on the Inflation Reduction Act's tax changes. And finally, on the opinions page, Elliott also addresses rules for qualified derivatives dealers. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at taxstew, that's S-T-E-W, and be sure to follow at taxnotes for all things tax. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com slash podcast. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.